Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Suave Talk presented by Dyer's Top Rods. Joining me, of course, as always, is Tyler Urban. Tyler, good day, mate. Good day. What's up? This is uh, my second day back from my Australia trip. And uh, honestly, I finally got some sleep last night. Uh, literally got off the plane, slept like two or three hours, tested yesterday at uh, Brunswick. And so last night I slept pretty hard. That's why, uh, you know, I'm a little late to uh, get this, this party started. How many mates did you get down in uh, Australia? How many times do you hear the word mate? Or is that a, like a fallacy? They don't say good day, mate. No, they honestly, they say mate and they, they like do it even more because they know that I'm American. Like, <laughs> they, like they understand that the only thing that we know about Australia is Steve Irwin, Hasparanada, Shrimp on the Barbie, whatever, from Dukes of Hazard, And then like they think that we all – think that they ride kangaroos to work and stuff like they it's a totally different culture and uh so they use mate kind of like like they overuse it just to like emphasize that they're not silly like we think they are like they actually are like complex people and they like have uh humor I guess so that's their way of like humoring themselves is they always call me mate so I do it in return like 10 times 10 times more than they do you know it's it's pretty funny, honestly. Yeah, it's just like me when I go to L.A. Fitness and play basketball, and all my basketball buddies, I'll say I use the word dog more than I should. So, like, what's up, dog? But how was Australia, by the way? And I know, like, it was pretty chaotic for you because all those, like, how crazy and how real is those fires down there? Because that's all you see on the news. Yeah, I'll. Uh, so just in a quick summary, I showed up on Christmas Day. Uh, I raced the 26th, which is, like, Boxing Day for them, and it's a huge, like, holiday event um like the stores the shops the restaurants are wide open you know from all the christmas presents being returned and people just going out and whatever well i raced on that day uh and there was there was also a big sprint car deal going on there where they race basically like every other day for ten thousand to win and they i think they're still doing it like their last race is this weekend so they've been doing it for like almost 15 races but i won two out of three i raced every fourth day and uh, i got really sick like, I think I caught kangaroo flu or something. Like, I almost died over there. Had to go to the hospital. But uh, I'm back on my feet. Well, anyways, I was that was in the East Coast, which would be, for people that have never seen a globe, that would be like racing in East Tennessee, okay? So I raced in East Tennessee for 10 days. Well, if you drive across the United States or Australia, they're the exact same size. So about Kansas to Texas, there's a huge bushfire, and it's covering, like, 12 million acres or something like it's a it's a crazy number you can and then people that don't know like the middle part of the country is like pretty much all desert yeah it's all desert the only thing that lives there is koalas kangaroos and the aboriginal people live in the northern territory more is in the south but it's just a big like the whole entire population lives along the coast for the most part there's very little people that live inland in retrospect so like the guys that i drive for they were driving across well it's 44 hours from tip to tip like if you go to Tennessee, Sydney, I'm using metaphors here, to Perth, Bakersfield, you know what I mean? That would be the comparison here. Right when they got to about Vato Speedway Park, there's a border, and they're still about 15 hours away from where we race in Perth. Well, the roads are shut down because it's got so hot with all these fires, it's melted all the roads, and they literally can't get big trucks on there because the big trucks will start driving in the roads, and then they'll like sink in the asphalt, and then they're screwed, you know what I mean? They have to try to get people to tow them out, and a couple years ago, they let a couple of truckers go across, like, and they had the same situation, and it killed a bunch of people. So they're real strict on it this year. So long story short, I flew over there with my buddy Cam Pearson, who I drive. He also races. His dad, Justin, owns everything. 
and we sat in Perth for four nights, watched the races, um, went to some clubs. You know, we had a lot of fun. It was a lot of vacation, but we watched the races, didn't get to race. Kai Blight kicked, he kicked as he is. Is the man he like right the now. Scott Bloomquist of Australia? Kai Blight has officially turned the corner. You will see him. If he ever comes back to America, he will win races. I'm telling you, he is actually really, 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 really stepped his game up, and I'm super happy for him. He's a he's a dude that literally has invested his whole life into racing. He works for Stubber. He comes to the States. Like His job is racing. He works for Stubber, which is crazy. He works on Stubber's race car, but then also races Stubber every weekend. So he's made a – you know, he's, he is 120% all the time. So that's pretty cool. But anyways, the fires, we couldn't get across. So Justin, my car owner over there drove 30 hours there. We couldn't race. So he turned around and drove 30 hours back to the shop. Well, then they had another race at Sydney. Like they had two big races at Sydney. It would have been about five or six days ago. So I flew to Sydney for like a week and a half and hung out and was waiting for Justin. Well, Justin showed up the, the Friday morning of the, it was a Friday, Saturday. It was like two, 3000 win races or something. And, uh, but it ended up raining out. So we literally got canceled because of fire on one end and then rain on the other end. So like the weather is just, it's crazy. But the rain was actually really good for, you know, the whole country. They needed it because it's, I mean, it's literally burning. Like half the country is on fire. So it's good that they got the rain, but it, it kind of sucks in the same sense because I, I, I raced for like 10 days and then for the next 25, I was just a tourist. But I had a, I had a great time. Uh, shout out to Ryan Finnich, Nay. Bookie Bookie, um, Bodie, just all the people over there, Cam, Justin, Kelly. It was uh, Phil. Phil doesn't get much love. Phil's like the crew guy over there. But it was a fun, fun trip. And, uh, you know, I was basically that's the – I raced 11 months out of the year, you know, wide open. And I don't complain one bit. I love every minute of it. But that is my true, you know, vacation time when I go to Australia. And uh, those people are really, really good to me. Also want to shout out Randall, Street Stock Saul, and Clint. Clint is our new Colby. Um, for people that don't know, no Colby doesn't work for me anymore. I know. I, I figured I didn't know that <laughs> until I saw at Vado that he was working for Ashton. Yeah, and then like yesterday, he picked me up from the airport. It's just funny how it all works out. He lives in Atlanta now, so like I needed a ride from the airport to Brunswick. So I called Colby because like he's I, me and Colby are pretty tight, and I was like, hey, I need a ride, blah blah blah. Well, like along the way, I posted a picture of me and Colby. I was like, met my new tire guy, and dude, I had like a hundred people that were like. <laughs> Dang, that looks like Colby or dang, Colby already quit Ashton. So like I just went along with it. But no, our new guy's Clint. He's he's badass dude. I met him yesterday for the first time. So nothing like, you know, kinda getting acquainted with everyone as things are going. But yeah, no, for real. Randall and Saul and Clint, they uh they worked all, you know, the last six weeks in the shop while I uh, you know, played kangaroo keeper. So it was uh really wanna thank them for having everything ready and uh, you know, making it down here. The one thing I find pretty sweet with the Australian drivers, you know, I know Paul Stubber and Kai Blight because they always run the Summer Nationals. They, like, think they're, like, 1998 dirt late model racing. Like, they're loving life. They're, like, never complaining. They go all in on their equipment. Like, those guys are nuts how they get all their stuff to Australia. Like, they're just a bunch of good people. They are the most diehard racers you've ever met in your life. They race for little to no money a lot of the times. The Motorplex has got it figured out. For anybody that can ever go to a – Australian enjoys racing you need to go to Perth Motorplex Sydney as well Parramatta they have it going on as well but like they actually pay the racers they you know they understand qualifying and they they put on good racing they don't have it so wet that the first two heat races are you know you pull 40 tear offs like you go to Perth and it's like showing up to the clash at the mag or something like the facility's nice the people are nice and then 
the racers there, they're slowly learning. You know, I think it's a lot of it has to do with guys like Kai and Paul and, um, you know, Cam and just people that have come to America and kind of seen the way that races are run. And they're very prim and proper over there. They're really like, like they want to, they want the racing to be perfect. They want everything about the racing to be perfect. They, their safety, just everything about it. So like they're learning the, you know, there's some places over here where we kind of lack on the trying to put on a professional show. Well, they're like all about it there. Everyone has crew shirts. Everyone matches. Everyone, you know, their race cars might not be. It's quite like running nice, the Lucas Oil Series because you guys it, all have to match on TV races. <laughs> the the local the local guy there is probably more prepared as far as like presentation for a sponsor or crew and stuff than ninety percent of the racers over here. And it's crazy because you watch them race and it's like, what is like. Like, if you just lined us, you know what I mean? Say you put Kai Blight's team in victory lane with all their crew shirts and you put them up against, no offense to Dennis, or just say me three years ago, or we're just wearing, <laughs> I'm wearing a Sheppy shirt, you know, my crew guy's wearing a Bob Gardner shirt, and my other guy's wearing a Slipknot shirt, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's crazy to, to see how professional they are and how much they truly love racing. So, the Australians are... They're some of the nicest people you ever meet, and uh, I'm just glad that uh, I've been able to spend the last three Christmases over there. I don't know if you knew, Turbo, but we just raced at Arizona. We actually had a race in the United States, and uh, I'm going to love this one, but Illinois, the lane of Lincoln, swept the whole week. What caught your eye at Arizona? I watched, I actually, so it's pretty cool. I uh, I could log in at like about 10 in the morning every day, which is about my uh, normal ritual, and I could start watching the pay-per-view, so I did watch all the all the races from Arizona and Vato, Vato, however you want to say it. I like saying Vato because of my my Vato's Stormy and Yanni Scott. They're yeah. uh, they're from down there on the shout south, out to Yanni. He had a good uh, Arizona run out, this week. Hey, shout out to little Yanni. Stormy's been hiding all the dig from him. Like Johnny showed up that first time at Eldora last year. Whoops, Stormy, and then for the rest of the year, Stormy like hit all the information and wouldn't let Yanni have any speed. And I'm glad that they're finally sharing sharing notes again. So shout out to Yanni. But no, for real, I uh, one thing I noticed the track was better than i think it's been like two years ago it was like straight cushion the whole time and i think it rubbered the first or second night there but then like it just changed every night like one night it had a little bit of chop one night it was in the cushion then the very last night he worked the bottom and squirrel came from 17th to third in like 20 laps like right around the bottom then moved up you know so the track was really really good but uh i was i mean i'm a homer so i was happy to see you know the rocketeers put in work over there steppy and squirrel uh that was really really good but the racing was good and um, you know, there's Kay Dillard. He's got some dig. I mean, he has got some dig. Like he had bad luck for the six nights, but he was fast. And, uh, you know, he's one he won a heat like almost every night over there. So he was, uh, do you think this is was, a coming out party for him? This yes. year? Kay Dillard, 2020 coming out party. Like as long as nothing crazy happens, his car is fast enough right now that, uh, you know, he can, he can have a really, really good year. He's already, you know, ran a year on the tour and now he's, you know, he's more familiar with things. So I was very, very impressed with how good he was. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure he'll carry it over into Volusia and the rest of the year. Arizona, Aussie, we had some great racing. And uh, glad he made it back safely. We got Florida coming up, though. But, you know, it's time. It's segment time. And obviously we saw Brian Burke off a race six or five of the six nights last week. And I don't think he's even raced five times in the last five years. I'm really kind of joking. But, it's who's Berkey of the week, who's back of the week, but who's Berkey of the week? I'll let you go first, Tyler Herb. Who's your Berkey of the week? My Berkey of the week is not going to be an individual. It's just going to be, uh, you know, it's test time down at Speed Weeks. You've got, like, just it's just crazy. Like, I've literally been off the grid for the most part besides what I see on social media. And, like, 
the first thing I heard when I got to Brunswick yesterday was um, I got to Brunswick and we're, I was working on a bunch of stuff that, you know, just shocks and things like that, that I had sent off that just arrived. And one of the first things people were telling me, you know, they're talking about tests and like, yeah, you know, McCready's tested 10 times. McCready went a 14, eight around Brunswick. That's getting, and then we start testing and like, we're not even cracking like 15 fives. Like, nope. I was there with JD and a couple other guys. And I'm like, if that guy's that fast, like this is great. And that's just kind of the way testing goes. Like, you know, when the rocket camp rolls in and they all test, normally Sheppy or Josh. They'll say Sheppy's 13-8. Yeah, Sheppy, Sheppy like broke track record half second consistently all night, made 140 laps, but it's not on race monitor. You're like, holy shit, like we <laughs> in trouble. You know, and I, and it's just, it's like, like to me it's lighthearted because like I understand how it all, I mean, I, I feel like I've got a good grasp. Like if you get spun out that this guy went this time or that guy went this time, it kind of, it can literally like change your mindset. And when I was 18, 19, the first times I ever came to speed weeks, like I believed it. And then sure enough, I mean, those guys are fast enough that they are going to win and run good. So like you watch them, you're like, dude, I'm that, like, I'm so slow. I don't even know what to do, you know? And it, it's a good way to psych yourself out. But I thought it was funny. I got off the plane and they were like, McCready went 14, eight, McCready went 14, eight. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Like what, I mean, what, what do you want me to do? Like, I we see. I mean, if he goes fourteen eight qualifying first night of Brunswick, he'll probably be on the pole the first heat. Like, that's all you can do, you know. All I have to so. say to him is, uh, I want to race there last year, so everybody chill out, okay? No, no, but it was, <laughs> I mean, it was good. Um, but yeah, just the the testing. You know, you see your same people, and like I saw Brandon Overton, and me and him kind of keep up a little bit, and he was like, "Have you missed me?" <laughs> I was like, "I saw you like not even a month ago at PRI. What do you mean have I missed you?" So. It's just, uh, you know, everyone's getting back in the swing of things. And most of the people that test and do Florida, you know, they don't go to Arizona or uh, um, Vato. So it's, uh, you know, your group of guys or my group of guys, I would say, that I'm normally around. Uh, it's the it's clicks. It's so when the clicks start in February. That's right. The clicks are the clicks are lining back up. <laughs> my biggest question is, though, before I get to my who's Berkey of the week, is why is there so much of a deal of testing before speed weeks? But, like, no one ever really goes – test as much you know during the regular season i should say just no Honestly, time i mean yeah no time but the main like a lot of people like devin ran last night he showed up and he had two brand new cars all brand new stuff never made a lap and he told me he's like i'm not even testing like i'm just here to to make sure my stuff doesn't fall apart you know or kind of feel things out like make sure i don't have the wrong rear end make sure i don't have this and for me like it's just like i shook the rust off like it took me five sessions before like and i mean i didn't change nothing on my car i was just like I'm driving awful. Like, I don't know what's up with me. We're like, if you show up to Brunswick for the first race and you're driving awful and then you don't make the show for the next three nights, like that gets in your head and then it could ruin your whole trip. So for a lot of guys, you try shit and things like that. But for me, the first day is like, I just try to like get comfortable again. Like I drove, I drove a modified, then I drove that car, the car in Australia and like just nothing feels quite the same as driving your own stuff. And you know, a lot of guys in times past, like Brian Shirley, he went to the Chili Bowl. McCready goes to the Chili Bowl. Like, you get in a different car and you get back in your car. It's not – I mean, I hate to say it. I know a lot of the, the other side of the world would disagree, but, like, it's not like a sprint car or midget. Like, there's nothing like your late model. You know, you can be the best and on top of your game, but if you're not driving good, you're – it doesn't matter, you know, how good you are or what you think you are. It's not as easy as just holding it wide open and turn left. You know, there's a million people that – can get in and do that i mean nobody wants to hit the wall so when you get to the end of the straightaway you're going to want to turn and make the corner it's there's a lot more that goes into it and i think uh for a lot of people you know that are really successful like jd and people like that it's 
you know, you get back in your routine, you unload every day, you work on your car, you work on your shocks. And then when it comes to Brunswick, you've done that five or six times. It's like you're in the middle of the hell tour. You, you know, you're dialed in, you're locked in, you realize the changes that you need to make every night and you're, you're just a lot more focused and you're not questioning yourself. I mean, I did last night, like we went out and I had, I set my shocks and Randall's like, that's not right. Something's not right. God, what are you doing? Like it just, and then finally after like the fourth session, I was like, well, just check it. Like, I, you know what I mean? It's like my pride finally, I was like, just check it. And sure enough, like I made a mistake and he was like, God, I knew it. God, wow, you, you're still jet lag. What's wrong? You know what I mean? So you just, you get that kind of stuff out of the way by going and testing and, you know, getting back in your rhythm. Yeah, I mean, if I test it, I just junk into the wall like you said earlier. But my Berkey of the week, I don't know if he really even left, but I guess it is 2020. I'm going to go with Sheppy. It's not even February yet, and he has three feature wins, three runner-up finishes at Vado, and he's already made $45,000, and we're not even in February yet. Like, he's almost he's really on pace to beat his own record from last year. So that's my Berkey of the week, Sheppy. He can win in the B5. He can win in a modified. He can win in any car. Sheppy is the man. I mean, he's like, you, you just, you know, people are expecting him to fall off or struggle here and there. And he's just not like, he's, I mean, he is that good and he's, he deserves it. I mean, he, he goes and races Arizona. I, the first time I went to Arizona, he went there in B5 and he, you know, he wasn't really that good. And then, you know, he got Mark stuff and he just, I'm not saying he wasn't good at that time, but like he had a bad trip to Arizona. Now the last three trips, like the worst he's ran is eighth in one feature out of like 16 starts or something crazy. So like he deserves every minute of it. And he goes to the, he goes to every race and doesn't matter if he's in the B5 or the one car or Schatz's car. I mean, he drives the exact same and he's a smart racer and I don't, I don't know what I got to do. Maybe I need to have a kid to, you know what I mean? There's, he's done something in the past five or six years to, to turn the corner. And he's a, I mean, he's definitely the man to beat right now still, I believe. Yeah. He's been phenomenal. And like, I don't know, like you ever seen the movie, uh, water boy. Yes. You know, like, yes. Is this like all the late model competition? They're all saying we suck again because he keeps yeah. winning or what? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, you gotta think it. If you don't think you can beat him, you're not gonna beat him. So you gotta, you gotta have that kind of mindset. But you just, you gotta respect the guy. The same sense, he can get, you know, he can get. And he literally went in Mark's car, run second every night, and you know had a chance to win. I'd say two of the three nights, and then goes to Arizona in the B5 and never skips a beat and's right on track. And by the end of the week, he's like dialed in again, just like he would be in the one car. So, I mean, he's just, you know, he's, he understands what's going on. He can do it, you know, with his crew or in Mark's stuff. So it's, I mean, you got to give the guy respect when it's due. And right now he, uh, he earns every bit of it. And by the way, he's got 17 top five finishes and 18 feature appearances since 2018. And an eighth place. Yeah. An eighth place. That's, That's decent, right? That's his worst finish, mind you. Worst finish is eight. One time. And, you know, obviously we're talking about Sheppy, but our guest today, Tyler, I mean, this is uh, Sheppy's little brother. I think they might be identical twins, honestly. He looks like a young Sheppy. Red cheeks. Um, you know, little Thuggy is a kid that if you saw him, you'd think he was 12, 13, 14. And then when he tells you he's 20, 21, 22, I don't even know how old he is. I think he's 14 still. I don't, I mean... He doesn't age. He's like Benjamin Button. He's just 14 for the rest of his life. But, yeah, Dougie and Sheppy, they do kind of resemble each other. Red cheeks, you know, a little husky every now and then. But, <laughs> that's I mean, that's him. That's Dougie. And here's our interview with Thug Nasty. Joining us now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline is Thug Nasty, Logan Roberson. And, Logan, I got to ask you, do you know you look like a younger Brandon Shepard, like the rosy red cheeks? You guys could be brothers. 
I did it all the time. I got it last year at the Dome. They said I looked like him, and everybody keeps bringing it up. But uh, I think he can wheel a little bit better than I can. Allegedly. To be fair, when Brandon was like 15, he looked a little bit older. Like, how old do you actually, like, when you go out, how old do they, like, do they ever card you when you want, like, a Dr. Pepper and stuff <laughs> after 1030? Or? I hate you. How old are you? 22. 22. So you can drink. Yeah. Oh, wait. So this is an adult podcast, so you're okay. You're over 21 then? You, you can be on some ID? Show. <laughs> He's so pissed right now. <laughs> and I see you brought your girlfriend over here with us. Uh, can you explain? I know, like, the people can't see it, but it's basically a sex doll with a Logan Robertson <laughs> t-shirt on. Yeah, she looks pretty good, don't she? Yeah, she doesn't look bad at all. Turbo, I hope you're not being using that. No, I, we were playing with it earlier, and it's definitely not a fresh one. So, it's not a – I don't know if he got it new. Or I passed it off. Like, if I he mean, used it, or I don't know. But it's, it's used up, so I just needed to pass it off like everything else in the Dirt Lake model. I want to know how this budding relationship happened between you two, because I think, like, you guys give each other shit – and I think it's just a beautiful bromance. I want to know how you guys first met and, you know, had this, you know, beautiful relationship. Go ahead. Is it VMS? Don't act like you don't remember. VMS? Oh, v- yeah. VMS. Oh, yeah, he walked up to my trailer. Like, we've talked on Snapchat. Like, I added him, like, months and months ago. This well, is when you were, like, 12. This was, yeah, he was at least 13. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so, like, he just came over to the trailer and we just started talking. And ever since then, we've been hitting it off. Every racetrack we go to, I try to go where they go sometimes and hang out with them. You know, it's pretty cool. Like, hang out and just... Bull crap. He's pretty. He's an all right dude. His first word, he come up to me, he said, "You know, this is at VMS. I drove. We were at Farmer City. We rained out. We drove like 140 hours to VMS. Yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. Terrible idea. So <laughs> this is before Randall was my better voice of reason. I was like, I'm gonna go race VMS tomorrow. And it was like 18 hours. And this was Friday night. So we drove all night. We raced. I sucked. And um, he was sitting. He was parked a little bit down from us. I come up to me, he's like, you know, you guys are just like regular people. You know, like JD talked to me last week, and like I was like. What do you think we are? Like, we are starstruck. Yeah, like, dude, we're, we, I mean, we eat Ruby Tuesdays, like, we're the same as you. Like, we're nothing different. He was like, you know, it's just pretty cool. I, everybody, I didn't even know anybody knew who I was. I was a crate guy. I was like, dude, you won 20,000 last year. Like, you're a big deal. And then ever since then, we've been buds. So you were just in awe then. You were like yeah. starstruck. I, I didn't think I was nobody. I didn't, hell, it was just cool talking, hanging out with everybody. I got to ask you, though, like, what's up with the Thug Nasty nickname? Like, people get me that all the time. It's like, is he a rapper? And I'm like, no, he's he's a race car driver. So, how'd you get the name Thug Nasty? Straight Gangsta. Straight Gangsta? No. Uh, well, in my crashing days, I, I wrecked a couple of cars and kind of flipped one up on the side. And uh, you end up using a roof for Master Build. I found out behind the building. So I just grabbed it and used it, and, well, I didn't realize that it had a Thug Nasty sticker on it. So I just left it on there because, you know, I didn't care. So I left it on there, and everybody started calling me it. And so, hell, I would just put it on the spooler, and it's been there ever since. And everybody thinks it's funny, so I just go along with it. I thought the start of the story was a turbo story there, you know, junkie yeah, cars and stuff flip, like that. Turned up. I never got a cool nickname from flipping. Turd, turdbo, some people call me that now. Yeah, so I got to you've been, you know, traveling more and more. Is that kind of your goal coming here in the near future? I know, like, you're more like that regional crate racer, but, you know, more and more it seems like you're getting your name out there. I know you're going to travel the Midwest this past October, you know, with the rain and stuff, but that's kind of what your goal is right now. You went to the Dome last year. Yeah, I just want to get in super stuff more. You know, I love the I love the challenge a lot more. You know, that crate stuff, it's, it's fun and all, and I have fun doing it. Me and my dad, we have a good time, but I just want to get out there. You know, eventually at the end goal is to – do, you know, do racing for a living, and that's what I want to do. And I just don't – I don't think I was getting anywhere crate racing. I just end up having to get – I had to get out there and get super racing and, you know what I'm saying, just race. It's pretty much just what I got to do, and I just – hopefully one day it will work out, and I just keep doing what I do because I like it. 
at what point are you going to take the corner and run tour with me, Ashton Winger, everybody else is going to be racing in 2020. When is the Mini Winnie going to make its debut on the national scene? The Tour Mini 2022. 2022. So, so book it right now. 2022, we're locked you in as a rookie of the year for one of the series. Deal. All right. So tell us, tell us about the Mini Winnie. He'll be 18 Winnie. at that time, yeah. so you can go on yeah. the tour. Yeah, you'll be able to. You can get into Canada, I think. I think you have to be 18. But anyways, what a like? Tell us about the Mini Winnie and just come of like give us two of your best stories in the Mini Winnie. And if for anybody well, first never off, what seen is it, the Mini Winnie? Yeah, describe the Mini Winnie. I'll tell this you. This ain't a sex position, is it? No, no, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> what the Mini Winnie is is basically a 1998, 28 foot, just a dirt car hauling, V10 uh, engine slinging, race check winning machine that I pull my race car with. Oh, so that's the Mini Winnie. So he's gonna be taking that on tour. Tour de Mini, and Tour it's <laughs> how many miles does it have? How many miles? One hundred and twenty thousand. All racetrack miles, no camping, no nothing. This thing has seen nothing but green and red dirt. That's wild. And big checks. Big ch- oh, big checks who has or more big, big chicks? Who, Did you say big chicks? <laughs> big checks. Oh, okay. Who has more big checks? You or Turbo? Well, that too. Who has more big checks? You or Turbo? I think I've got him on the biggest one, but I'm sure he's won more ten thousands, twelve thousands, eight thousands. He's definitely got me. He won 20 at VMS. You know what would be a perfect tour for him to run first? Summer Nationals. Summer Nationals. For sure. As an outsider, when you think of those crazy guys in Illinois racing for 30 straight days, what do you, like, you think about it? Like, I'd love to do that. You know, I, lo- I like to work. Now, I just think it would be pretty cool you know, to race, heck, even 10 days in a row because I plan on doing half of it this year. That's what I was planning on doing since I got me a pretty good motor now, and I wanted to do that, but uh, eventually I'd like to do that. It would be fun. You better because you're uh, – Jeremy Peters, your boy, you contact all the time, my roommate. And I, I told you that at Dirt Track, and you were, like, in awe that I'm you know, roommates with a, one of your guys that does your websites. It's a small world. Like, I never expected that. Well, we're both from God's country, Fairbury. God's country. Yeah, speaking of that, talk about that October debacle. Oh, yeah, I'm coming to Fairbury. <laughs> Classic. Everyone. Everyone's coming to Fairbury until it's time to come to Fairbury. <laughs> yeah, they like, don't uh, want no smoke. They don't want no smoke. Can you handle a false cushion, though? No. What? It's going to take him at least three trips. I'm on my fifth trip, and I still haven't finished the feature there. So <laughs> I'm going to say I give him two years if he wants to run the cushion win. You're not going to win around the bottom. We don't. It's just not in our nature. Me, you, Shep, Booby Pierce, we run the cush. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got the wrong car to be around the bottom, bud. Next year, I promise. I'll be there. Which race? Right now? Right now. Okay, let's make a bet. If you don't show up, what do you have to do? Tattoo. Tattoo. It says Suave Talk. Where? Tramp stand. Tramp stand. Suave talk. Is that a deal? Deal. Deal. All right. You heard it. No oh, doubt. So you grew up in the southeast. Who was your, like, idol growing up? Uh, Obviously, besides my dad, you know, he's a pretty good steel block racer. Uh, I would say, you know, I watched – I don't ever do local tracks and just watch, like, online. Like, I'd watch Davenport. You know, like, he, he stood out the most to me. Like, I watched him, and then uh, pretty much that's, that's pretty much who I watched. Why? What made him stand out? Obviously, because he won a lot, and uh, he seemed pretty professional in his interviews and stuff like that, and I liked him. So you like a more professional racer, not like a hard, just normal, run-of-the-mill guy, like a Tyler Carpenter. Honestly, that's one of my favorite racers is Tyler Carpenter. Like, every time I see him, I go talk to him because, like, he's just a... He's having, like, baby number seven, I saw. Baby, yeah, yeah. Something, not that many, yeah, but it seems yeah. like that his Facebook <laughs> post, His Facebook post, for everyone that hasn't seen it, it said... It is pretty my, funny. My fiance... <coughs> hold on. 
my fiance is good at a lot of things, but pulling out is not one of them. Baby number five on the way. And like to me, like like I'm a very loose, like happy, like that kind of stuff to me. Like I I love it. Like I would tell my grandma that. But most people, you know, they we're professional and this and that, and you can't say things like that. So he uh, he just doesn't. You know, he he could care less what other people think about him, and that's why Tyler Carpenter is one, by far one of my most favorite interviews. People to watch. He race, is I mean, and he he really is a good race car driver. Like he is one of the better people in the Mid Ohio Valley region. So I like Tyler Carpenter, but I do like JD for other reasons, but not professionalism. That's not what draws to me. Yeah, we all know who I like. Do you know who I like? Oh my God. Kevin Weaver. Have you ever raced against him? No. Tell I, him. Tell him about our. Tell him. What? Me and Weaver throwing sliders. In. Oh my gosh! North South One Hundred. I had a. I cried op- like weepingly. I know we can't show that much highlights. We only get ten minutes, but Kevin Weaver and Tyler Herb for three straight laps are throwing sliders at the North South One Hundred. I mean, Turbo has this like big old Durham engine. Weaver's probably on a crate motor, and Weaver's still dodging. And <laughs> Small talk. Uh, Turbo runs over his breather. No, 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 no. It was clean. I was like, oh, my God. But it did put Weaver other. out of the race. Yeah, it <laughs> did put him out of the race, and then he blew his motor the next lap. But, yeah, like, I always compare uh, Turbo. Like, he's going to be like the next Kevin Weaver. He's going to be like this old 55-year-old bearded guy still racing, crewing for himself, you know, little uh, Jimmy John sponsorship. He's going to be racing Fairbury Weekly. That's where you need to go race weekly. If it wasn't like 14 hours, I'd come out well, there. Well, you can move. You're old enough. You are just turned 18. You, you can, can live your, with me. Yeah. you can. I won't charge thing. you rent if you win. You can live with me. Because I love smashing the cush. Like, that's my kind of track. Listen, I do, too. Listen, I, Texas, no cushion. Summer Nationals, cushion. Cushion. Every night. I mean, besides, like, Peoria and places like that. But I'm telling you, you need to run Summer Nationals. Get no, your feet wet. No, because my dad would really get tired of me ripping decks out. Like, he already complains now. You put decks on during the Summer Nationals? Dude, who f- – I just leave it off. Tri-State. I don't even – I unload it. Just start taking it off, and then you start to feature with nothing. Every time. What is your top three racetracks? Top three, I would say right off the bat. I really don't know, honestly. Right off the bat, like just three that you like. You don't even have to be your favorite. I say I seventy seven. That's pretty fun. Like we raced there a couple weeks ago, and we got it on. Like me, Tyler, um, Zach Dome. Like I was up against the Cush, up against the guardrail, and then you got Zach Dome. (laughs) Yeah, Zach Dome. Like he's literally running over the tires, and then Tyler comes in there sliding me, and you know I'm saying we're on the top, and it's fun. That was probably the, one of the funnest races I've run. I'd say there, and then I like my home track, Winchester. It's pretty fun, but I've never really got to a cushion bump in place. Like, I really want to get out there to the Summer Nationals because I feel like them tracks suit me a little bit better. I think uh, if you want to see a real cushion, you need to go to Greenville, Mississippi. That's by far the biggest. That's, that's the man. track where he called somebody a Yeah, that, that's, you don't come there to make friends, right? That track right there, though. All jokes aside, that they have a man-made cushion that's five foot tall, and it's literally impossible. I've seen one car drive out of the place, but it's impossible. You could hit the wall head-on full speed, and you won't go out of the racetrack because it's just nothing but a dirt wall. So um, that's one place you need to put on your bucket list. But to be f- side note, one of my, my absolute most fa- hated tracks is Winchester, Virginia. So that's where me and Thuggy are different. That's a terrible <laughs> racetrack. So is that the only racetrack he could beat you at then? Yeah, Probably. I would say Ooh. maybe Hagerstown. Out qualified him Hagerstown. Hagerstown. Yeah, out qualified you at dirt track. What happened there, Turbo? Man, we, he uh, complained his carburetor didn't stumble. No complaints, man. I start ninth today in the heat. He starts outside pole. <laughs> if you see Thuggy and the one, the green one T side by side, just watch out. Who's who's next to you? Richards. Who oh, and Sheppy's behind you and yeah. Turbo. And who starts tenth? That's uh, right, Turbo. That's right. Wow. 
R.I.P. to The Rocketeers. Lab 7, I can see the the one sliding across the nose. The Rocketeers are coming. Uh, probably Turbo. I bet you see blue on the inside, green on the outside. Oh, yeah, I have my brother behind me, so it's kind of uh, a little nervous. Well, we th- okay, honest, let's do an honest assessment of the you know top-tier guys. We've already just done Jonathan Davenport. What do you think about Brandon Shepard? I mean, he's a respectable racer. Like, I've watched many highlights. You know what I'm saying? I watch Dirt on Dirt every Monday at work. Like, that's what I that's Wait, what so work? do you go to work yes. and you watch Dirt on Dirt? Well, I mean, somebody listening, like, yeah, I watch it at work. Like, I watch everything. And, I mean, he just he's a pretty clean driver. I mean, just, I don't know. Like, when you race with these guys, they show you a lot more respect, I, I feel. Be honest with me. Do you think if he wasn't in the one car, he'd be as good? Do you think he's terrible in the B5, like a lot of people say? <laughs> no. Heck no. He, he'd win anything. He'd win in a dump truck, thing. That's what Turbo said. He, well, he could win in a dump truck. All right, Mike Marler. Mike Marler, like, he's, like, the – he don't ever say anything. He don't really have a social media. Like, he's just chill. Like, he's cool. Do you like – oh, you're you, – I forgot. You guys are the younger crowd. Oh, I mean, you probably had a phone when you were 13, so three years ago. So, you, like, you saw all that stuff. But uh, you just love the social media stuff. I'm going to hit you in the head with this microphone. <laughs> What's that phone called? A Firefly? Yes. <laughs> he's got his five faves. I'm, the, I'm number three. Who's – okay, you have a Firefly phone. Track phone. Track phone burner. Or I'll go MySpace. Top friends. Who's your top, top? Who's your top five right now? Yeah, top five friends in the racing. I'm listing them off so we can, you know. Obviously, Turbo. Number uh, no order. No, this is in order. All right. So basically, he's best man at your wedding. Yeah, he would be, as long as he didn't steal my wife first. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's we're not getting that. All right, Turbo. Russ King. Uncle Rusty. Uncle Rusty. <laughs> I like Uncle Rusty. What's the craziest thing he's ever said to you? Well, he tells me I suck every night that we race together. So like, he <laughs> That's don't ever... not, usually use the words he actually says to you. You suck. Like you literally like couple f words. Yes, like he cusses actually. Like if he don't cuss me out, I'm not doing a good job. So that's good. If he's cussing at you, you're doing great. Yeah, like this morning I woke up and he was in my trailer cussing me. And he was like, "Dude, what are you doing? Why are you not first? Why are you fourth? So, I mean, I'm never good enough. So, All right. so what would he say to me if I was 31st tonight? <laughs> he would he tell me to go to home? I don't know. He probably wouldn't talk to you. My dad called me. He said, Tyler? Load her up. We're going home. He said, uh, I know this is your career choice and all that, but uh, business isn't looking too hot today. <laughs> I said, all right, Dad. I'll see you later. Probably won't talk to him unless I do better tomorrow. <laughs> all right. Who's three? All right. I say three. Um... I know. Once you get to your f- best five friends, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, Parish. No one's going to hear this. Par- Parish, John, <laughs> Peters. <laughs> yeah, that's my. Th- no, I'd say I, I've become pretty good friends with uh, Taylor Center. Uh, no idea who that is, but. <laughs> the crew chief for Huddy Dud. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All right. And three. then I, I'd say Ashton Winger. We've become Ashton pretty good Wiener. friends. What do you think of his stupid mullet he had? That was the most ridiculous thing ever. I, like, I want to grow one. That's what. I love it. You it want gives to grow a lady one? something to pull on. Oh, no one is pulling on anything of you, Bob. You're not even old enough. God. All right, last one. Do you have your license? I'm done. I'm done talking to y'all. No, you're not. All right, uh, last one. Last one, I would say Carson Ferguson. Carson Ferguson, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, we race together, and he uh, he's actually helped me this weekend. He's a pretty good dude. We race together We're pretty good. And uh, just, man, I tell you, social media, like, we just like me and Turbo. We talk all the time on social media, and we very rarely see each other. Like maybe six times a year, but them six times is like 
some of the best nights, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, the best night. He's starstruck, Turbo. How do you think about that? I mean, it, it happens to the best of us. We've, To be fair, we've used as many Winnie to go eat the last two or three nights. Yeah, you're so. like, thanks, Bob. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a pretty fun person. People like hanging out with me. All right, who's your five in your racing? Who's your five? My, my five top five fave friends? Yeah. Okay, um... Not my Snapchat best friends, right? No. no. Okay. <laughs> we don't need to list those off. <laughs> All right. Um, number one, my best, best racing buddy is definitely Timothy Colt, obviously. I think that's known. What, we about, go, that? what about a couple of weeks ago we had the cowboy hat on? God, he looks like Cody Johnson. He's <laughs> hot. Anyways, um, definitely Timothy, he's been my boy since he was my he was like my hero when I was like 15 because he was like a bad boy and he was so, 18. Culp to you is what Logan thinks of you. Oh, yeah, by far. By far. Yeah. You, you like, love I, this guy. He would come crew. Like, I, I used to go to Eldora. The first three times I ever went to Eldora, I went and crewed with Timmy. But Timmy would be one. Uh, see, my circle's a little bit different. Like, I hang out with older people, I guess, because I'm a, I'm a matured guy. So, Mikey Marlar is definitely one of my favorites. This is in no order, Thuggy. Relax. Thuggy's in there. And I'm going to put Thuggy and Ashton Weiner in the same one because like I feel the same person. they're the same person except one's in a 12-year-old body. And Ashton, he's in a 1980s, 18-year-old brain. He's got a 12-year-old brain. There you go. <laughs> so them two are in there. That counts as my three-hole. My four-hole, I'm going to go out and say Mr. Steven Roberts, the yeah. beekeeper. He's definitely my buddy. He, uh, I mean, he. this is in no order, like I'm saying. Steven's... He's done a lot for me. I mean, I basically lived with him for a year. He's a, uh, he's, I hang out with him more than anybody at the racetrack. He's an awesome guy. Uh, if you ever see him, if anybody's ever seen the movie Django Unchained, oh, great movie, great movie. Not for the faint of heart, but the the head keeper there, his name's Stephen. And every time you see Stephen, you need to make sure that you say, "Hey, Stephen, good job." That's what I want to start doing that every now. every time you see Stephen Robertson. Make sure you say it like that. So. uh We'll put him in at four hole, and then uh, let's say, ah, see, the five hole's a toss-up. I like the big buck. I like Shep. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a pretty social guy, so we'll put Colby in there because if I don't put Colby in there, he might just unload and just get, you know what I mean? I, yeah. He's a wild horse. He might come in here and just wipe me out tonight. I mean, mine's pretty easy, no order. I got to go with Turbo. Summer Nationals, funny story. This kid comes in. To Quincy. He's leading like the first 10 laps, and then Bobby finally gets by him, and he's like, I think that's like kind of like the, like you kind of knew Bobby was good. You're like, well, I got to get better and better. But then, like, the next couple years, he went to races, started winning a few of them. He loves the Summer Nationals. So, any guy that likes the Summer Nationals, I got to go with Sheppy. The funny thing is, he's like, he's only 25, but he's raced for 30 years. Like, it's insane how much, how long he's raced. Like, honestly, he's been racing since, and he's like, one of the first guys that's like moved up the ranks with dirt on dirt. Like he just his first year was with dirt on dirt. Obviously, you got to go with the weave. I mean, childhood hero. You ever ha have you ever got an autograph from anybody in the pit area growing up? Uh, Jimmy Owens signed my first diecast car. Like it was only three years ago when I was twelve, but uh, <laughs> he did the same. <laughs> yeah, he like signed my diecast car, and like I got them all in there, and like now I'm racing with these guys. It's like a surreal thing, like. We get after it. Like, when I roll off for my heat race, you know, the guys I looked up to, they're starting beside me and behind me. Like, it's time to get it on. You like throw I'm elbows on your heroes? If we got to, let's roll. <laughs> yes, sir. And then for I got to go with Shannon Babb every time he's on the racetrack. I mean, it's ridiculous what he does. I'm telling you, Shannon is the man. He I literally come Babb. past me at the dome and, like, <laughs> slid me, slid across the nose, then on exit rips the whole spooler off, 
And I'm like, oh my god, like he just doesn't care. And I tell Rigsby every time we have like a pay per view and Shane and Babs there, like just he, video him, it's just keep video the camera him. on Bab. Like Dirt Million came out from the back, then he got a flat tire every dome race. Like he's just. He's, and he's one of the most humble guys in the pit area. He never gets pissed off. At you. He's not going like, to you know, no. complain on social media. And then I got to go with my best bud, McKay Winger. I mean, Winger. He, got, he got fourth at the Falls Frenzy. He so did he, get fourth at the Falls Frenzy. <laughs> you would have thought he won the Super Bowl yeah. that night. <laughs> was there any lattes drank that day? There was a lot of lattes. Have you, ever ha- have you ever had a Bush latte? Have you ever drank underage? I've never drank a full beer in my life. I got one in the truck. You want to drink one real quick? Yeah, we'll drink one. Will you give me some luck for tonight? <laughs> yeah, it will. Yeah. Yeah. All right, deal. For right. sure. But uh, what is your plans, you know, here in the next two or three years? Or what do you want to see Logan Roberson racing, you know, maybe in five years? Like, what's your goals? Honest opinion, I mean, I'd, I'd really like to be on the road with these guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know Turbo, not blowing him up, but, like, he works hard for what he's got. Like, I was I was there at Tyler County. Like, I crewed for him, you know, helped him at Tyler County the first ever time I seen him. I think it was last year or the year before. And, like, them guys get after it. Like, they're not scared of work. And uh, that's me. That kind of describes me. Like, I work a full-time job, but I also race 70 times a year. So, like, me and my dad, we like to get after it. You know, if we could get some help, I just feel like I could uh, maybe do it for a living one day. And that's my end goal. I want to race supers with these guys. And that's why I'm just trying to get out there and, you know what I'm saying, get get some experience and get hopefully pull some eyes on me and just that's the plan, like, next couple of years. Picture this scenario. World 100. Lap 99, turbo in first. You're on. You are coming. The previous three or four laps. Do you throw the slider that could potentially take both of you guys out, and then on the front stretch, turbo beats you up, or are you going to go for the dub and you know win a world 100? Absolutely. Like I'm talking bumper to the air cleaner. Like because I know he'd do it to me, and we're both going to be friends afterwards. But we're there to do one thing. Both of us. We're there to win. And I feel like if I could. Uh, get him like we're going to be throwing hands on the front straightaway in front of the whole crowd and they're going to go wild i uh i've already been in this situation in my <laughs> life and uh basically if you put yourself in that situation you got to be ready for it so uh at that point if i'm leading the world 100 the last 10 laps um it won't be a loss because of lack of failure it'll be because the motor blew up because i didn't <laughs> hold it because it got it didn't breathe for 10 laps or something but no i mean hey listen i'm like I told him earlier, I told him last night we were sitting there eating. He was like, he's worried about this guy on the pole. And this guy I said, look, these guys are good. Like, if you have any opportunity to pass them, you got to rub them a little bit, do something. Like, because they're going to do it to they're you. They're going to do it to you. They don't care who you are. And then that's what I told him. I said, and the, the bad part about it all is, say you don't show up next week, nobody cares. Like, it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, you can crash some guys, do whatever. And I'm not saying get crazy now because I've been a little crazy before. But, like, you got to. You got to always, I've told myself this ever since uh, day one. Sometimes I was a little too extreme, but always be the bat, never be the ball. You know what I mean? You always want to be the one in control. And tonight, Dougie's got a chance to do it. He could be be sitting on the pole tonight at Charlotte. I mean, that's a big deal. How wild would that be? Oh, I'd excite myself over that. Like, that would be, like, I come here, like, man, just trying to make the show, and I'm, like, on the – the pole of a heat race kind of blew myself out the water, honestly. And this one, this airs in a few weeks. If you like wreck or blow up, we'll take this part out. Yeah. No, we won't. But seriously, yeah, yeah I we mean, won't. Yeah. we won't. <laughs> yeah, you got th- this is legitimately, legitimately like big brother, big sister program for racers. He's your guy, you know. After school, hey Tyler, what are we gonna do today? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. It's just very cute to see. I hate you. Oh, it's a family affair. It's a family affair. But of course. We're getting here. I know you guys are busy. So the last question is, we're going to make Tyler Herb one of the best drivers in 2020. I want you to give him, he's right here, your honest assessment. You've crewed for him before, of his driving ability. 
What is your honest assessment? What maybe he needs to work on, but what, overall, what do you think about his driving ability? You're the teacher giving him the grade. Um, well, after punching him in the nose for ripping the deck out or running somebody over, I tell him to get his stuff together because he's, he's fast. Like, anywhere he goes, he's really fast. And uh, when he keeps his head on right, I mean, he's he's got to be. Like, no kidding. I'm not blowing him up because we're here, but he's fast. Turbo? That's fair. I mean... It's uh everyone always says keep my head on like I'm some loser. Yeah, we're three for three. On <laughs> like, that. Yeah, that's you're you're fifty years different than the older guys that said that. But like I don't know what people they see this persona like, dude. I I was in bed at ten thirty last night. You can ask him. Lies. What time do we come to bed? Eleven thirty. Okay, because we were ten thirty central. Yeah, ten thirty central. My normal bedtime. Like I, people think I'm just a wild horse out here. Like I might get one day a week where I stay out a little bit late, but. At the end of the day, I'm a responsible guy. I wake up in the morning, put my pants on just like everyone else. I don't know why people think that. We're not talking excellent. about, like, in your life. We're, We're talking, talking about racing on yeah, the track. This is, dude, racing is my life. That's what I'm talking about. No, yeah. on the my track. My head's on straight. Look, hey, you can't go to work with your head fogged with stuff. you got to leave it. Look, it's all about your whole life, your whole day. If you got a good day leading up to it, you're going to have a good race. You know what I mean? Wow, I am motivated. I could run through a brick wall for you, Turbo. <laughs> I know I could. <laughs> well, Thug Nasty... Brandon Shepard look-alike, 18-year-old kid. Uh, it was great for you to come join us here on the podcast, and uh, I know you're very busy, man, and hopefully when this thing airs, we have some, you know, it's like good luck, like you didn't junk it or, you know. Turbo. Or you won your first race at Charlotte. Yeah, or you won your first race at Charlotte. No, but, you know, whatever. Hey, but. if I win my, this race at Charlotte and I win my heat race, you have to get Thug Nasty. I'm talking tramp stamp. Like, it's got to be for real. For tattoo. a heat race? No, for the race. Oh. If you win? If All right. I win. All I'll right. deal it. If you deal. win, I will right. get we you actually shook. The They're bet right shook. now is if Thug Nasty wins the Friday night portion of Charlotte. of Charlotte, the whole thing, not a heat race, me and Turbo will go to the tattoo parlor and get Thug Nasty as a tramp stamp. You hear that, people, America? That's what we're doing. Deal? That's a deal. deal. Absolutely deal. 100%. All right. Well, thanks, buddy. It's good to see you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Wait a minute, Turbo. I need to see some ID of Logan Roberson. There's no way he's that age. No, he's a young buck. Honestly, like I didn't know who he was until like a year ago. I met him at Virginia, and uh, he was like, he was kind of weird. Like he was almost starstruck, and I had to like bring him back to earth. I was like, "Listen, dude, I my dad puts in septics. So, like I run a bobcat and I race. Like I'm not, like I don't know who you think I'm, man, but like I'm just a human being." He's like, "Well, I thought all you guys, you know, I thought all you guys were dicks, you know, like <laughs> you and people no, we like have that. dicks. We have dicks. I was, yeah, I was like, I mean, yeah, kind of not not in the, the sense you're thinking, but yeah." And he's just, uh, he did, like, he's kind of come out of the map. And then he, like, just wins. Like, every crate race you go to, he wins. And now he's got a super motor. And, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think he's going to Speed Weeks this year, if rumor has it. That's just, that's silly season talk, though. I don't know. According to Jeremy Peters, who works for MSR Mafia, he does his website. He is going to speed, Sped Weeks. So we'll see Sped. him there. And also, remember, if he doesn't come to Ferry this weekend, he has to get a Turbo or Swab Talk tattoo. So that's something to keep an eye on later in the year. Correct. All right. Our other favorite segment is the Ask Jeeves segment. And, you know, of course, right after Votto, they made that huge headline there. The Droop Rule was announced. So I go on the Ask Jeeves search engine and I put in, what is Droop Rule? And the first thing that comes up is the Droop Rule is now in force on the National Series. The World of Outlaws will be running a Droop Rule. Tyler Herb, thoughts? I don't like it. I mean, I'm just being honest. We have the Ray Cook races historically in the last two years have had less cars than any other series in the country. 
and it's nothing against Ray, nothing against anyone. This is my personal thoughts. I went to a Ray Cook race at Sonoya, and the racing was fine or whatever, but I don't think it it didn't change the safety. It didn't help anybody from flipping. Shannon Buckingham flipped the very first race at Sonoya, which is the slowest racetrack ever with the droop rule. But what it comes down to in my eyes is, like, uh, you know, you got to have enough tech and people to enforce the rules we already have. I don't think we need to keep creating rules or, you know, try to make it where you just get into this little bitty box. You know, we have a rule right now and you can't run, uh, you know, you can't run a shock for a droop limiter. You can't run anything that has air involved like, a, you know, the Penske makes the air one. You can't, you can't run, you know, we already have a rule for what a chain drop should be we have a deck height rule when it's sitting static you know if a guy can get his nose at 15 inches on the right front and his deck's 39 at the back i just don't think that we need a rule for when it's jacked up in the air that it's 52 inches or whatever it is i'm not i don't know off the top of my head but i'm just saying the guy that wins a race at volusia and an eighth inch off and they tell him he went from first to fourth that's not cool and the tech man that has to enforce that has to make that decision. Am I really going to toss this guy for an eighth inch or move him back or penalize him? You know, I just, I think if the guy, before you roll out for that feature, if he's 39 on the left rear and he's 15 on the right front, I mean, what what is there to check? You know, if we enforce that rule that we already have, there's no issues. But I was at Charlotte and they said they had caught like 15 cars that were too high you know before the race and that was 15 that they caught but there was only one tech man there you know you go to a place that's got well imagine like the summer start, nationals or like a local yeah. up track you know it's gonna be tough right. to enforce it right and then and then what happens to okay so now just say we abandon checking the deck before the race or what i don't I mean i don't know how they're gonna enforce it i really don't know but i just don't think it's a rule we need we don't need to keep making rules in dirt late model racing we need to enforce every rule we have you know if if there's a rule where you measure from door to door underneath and it's however many inches and this guy rolls out and his right side door is hitting a guy that starts outside of him because it's tucked out so much at the bottom. I mean, right there, that should be what we need to enforce, you know, and it's, it's so easy to walk around before the races and enforce it, but it's not at the same time because guys, you know, they bitch and complain. But if you, if we all race by the same rules and we all are enforced to the same rules every single week, it's fine. Right now we have a split. The, the Ray Cook races were a split from what we had because of the chain stuff. You know, there was only so many cars that followed those races. And then like, if I have to go to that race, I have to change my car a little bit to go race it, which is fine, but it's not, it's not ideal. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's what JD said the- in his Twitter, like going to different races and how many different rules are. I think we need to kind of, you know, yeah, we corral just need to it in. All- we need to get on the same page. And like what I what I really don't understand is like I don't think late model racing was hurting last year and needed for us to change a rule. Like if you were to go look at every single series that ran, the one with the lowest car count was the one that had the different droop rule. So for us to now enforce one of the two national tours is gonna say, Hey, we're gonna have this droop rule and you know, we're gonna we're gonna enforce it after Vato is not cool. So then what you've now created is a guy that wants to do good needs to go test that. Needs to go try to get better. He needs to spend extra money. Where the the first three races of the year they didn't make that a rule. You know what I mean? I just I can't be on. I don't. I'm not saying I can't be on board because I might have to. If Lucas does, I mean we have to do what they want us to do, and that's the kind of sucky thing as a racer. And maybe as racers we all need to have a committee that says, "Hey, look, that's stupid. Like, why would we change a rule four races into this series?" you know, that has started in January 1st, mind you, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a, that, you know, somebody has to have a voice in here that says, hey, 
we're going to run with this. You know what I mean? It can't just be the the three monopolies or whoever is the, the hierarchy here that makes these rules because, quite frankly, there's, you know, there's the number of racers to the number of people that are making these rules, the racers outweigh that by a million, you know. And we need fans and we need tracks and we need things like that. But at the end of the day, if nobody wants to go race dirt late model or nobody can get on board with the rules, that class dies off. You know what I mean? That's just history will tell you that. It's It's just anything, you know. Sports, when they try to change things and they try to, you know, stray away from what works, you know, you're going to create issues that you don't really need. And I just, I don't understand the draw to this, this droop rule that we already have a rule in place that limits your deck height. You know, if a guy can be 39 here and 15 at the front and he can somehow make his car four inches higher, that just means you need to work harder. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that he's cheating. I mean, he has passed the rules and what you've done. And like a guy like Rumley and you know, there's a lot of people out there that have found a way to make their car just a little bit better within the set of rules that we have and like more power to them. You know, why, why do we need to limit one guy that has gone above and beyond and a guy that, you know, can start at 39 and get his car to 54 where everyone else is at 52? You know, maybe we all need to put our heads together and work or maybe the tech man needs to look underneath his car and say, hey, this is illegal. This is why he's at 54. You know, it's it is, you know, I. I'm not bashing one series to the next or the next. You know, I, I want to race every one. I, I care less. I want to race as many races as I can at every series I can. But it's hard for me to leave East Bay and Brunswick and then say, okay, I got to come back, change my chain, do this, make sure my car's good. You know, like now what that does is it either I have to race a different car or I need to go test so I know my stuff's dialed in. But then how can you race? This is where this is where I'm torn. You can go to. You can go to all the Crown Jewel events, okay? There's all these Crown Jewels events where, as of right now, I can run a spring on my chain limiter. I can run bump stops. I can run whatever I want as long as it's not a shock or it's air-induced or air-enforced, okay? Then I can go to Cedar Lake and Fairbury, which are also two Crown Jewels, 50,000 win that everybody's going to go to. And the guy that has raced that all year long with that rule now has some sort of an advantage because he's raced that because that series allowed him to. So does that guy... Does he work all year to try to win Cedar Lake and Fairbury? Or does everybody that runs a national or late model race all year to try to get themselves ready to go to Cedar Lake and Fairbury? They don't have to run World Outlaws because, I mean, why would you run something that there's a reason we created a rule and it's to limit something. You know what I mean? You're limiting your possibility. So why would why would you try to limit yourself all year long just to go win two races when, hey, maybe if I do run this as a chain, it'll make me this much better or this much worse. So. My thoughts right now is I, I don't think I'm a fan. I don't. It's not because I think it'll hurt racing. I just don't see the benefit for us having this chain rule. And if it's easier for the tech man, okay, maybe you should tech before the race. You know what I mean? Maybe we should have a concrete pad. Maybe we should do something because it's still it has to be consistent no matter what you do. You know, you roll through the pits right before you pull on the racetrack and they're checking it in 15 different spots. That's not fair either. You know what I mean? But if you check the top three, Okay, and third place is a little bit high, and now you move him to fifth, but fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth are three inches high after the race. I mean, what, how, how do you – there's just too many variables in that, you know, sticking the 40,000th piece of aluminum under the tire. And I just – I see too many variables where it's very, very clean cut, clear, 39 inches, 38 with a one-inch tolerance on the left rear, 15 inches on the nose. They've got the jigs. Everyone's been using them. That's what we've been using for the last three or four years. I just – I don't see where we're hurting or helping racing. And I don't see a guy that's just absolutely dominating, you know, right now. I mean, Madden's winning a lot of races. Sheppy's winning a lot of races. JD's winning a lot of races. And the racing's pretty good, I would say. Everywhere oh, yeah, we've been, for sure. is good. 
like I don't think the racing has gotten worse. It's a little aero dependent sometimes at a big track, but it's just I mean, I just think that's what we've come to. You know, if if you don't want aero, take a spoiler off and imagine how it race. You go race a modified or something that, you know, has no aero advantage, it feels like, and having the deck up with no spoiler makes no difference or having you know what I mean? You there's a lot of things you could change if we're worried about aero racing and things like that. So I don't think Droop Rule's the solution. That's my two cents. Man, Turbo, that was deep stuff right there. I love that. Woo. It, I mean, it is. It's just, as a guy that races all year and, like, you know, and, and what sucks for me is, like, I have no say-so in it. I'm just Tyler from Texas that races for best. Well, Nobody- do you think, does this bring a point, do you think drivers need more say in stuff? Because J.D., Boom, in the past, you know, especially in the last couple of years, they feel like they don't get enough say. I mean, I think so, like. Dude, at the end of the day, the guys that making these rules aren't the ones sitting in race cars, as far as I know. And if they are, congrats to them. But, like, I can't wait to be in that hierarchy because there's a lot of rules I would like to, you know, be like, hey, why don't we enforce this? Or, hey, make this happen, you know? But, I mean, just me as a racer, I didn't get any say-so in it. And a lot of people that I know haven't got any say-so in it. So, the constant, you know, changing of rules and adding of rules. I understand that maybe somebody somewhere is trying to make the racing better, but I don't see... I mean, me personally, I don't see what we have what we've done by creating this droop rule that is checked after the races, which is something that a lot of people have complained about in the past. You know, the, about fuel burn off and this, and you can't check deck after the races. Well, now we're jacking the car up, so the car's in full attitude, and I just feel like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of variables that could go into that. You know, throughout the whole race that could affect that. You know, just just as silly as it is, just say some guy hits you in the left rear, blows your left side spoiler up a little bit. And now you're a half inch high. So now we've gone to a judgment call. And that is one thing racing does not need ever, ever. We should not have a judgment call at any point in any night. And that's what you're doing. You know, the guy that's checking this deck after the races is making a judgment call. You know, just say that guy's got six pounds of air in his left rear. Another guy's got 10. And, you know, he's got to jack his car up a half inch higher. I mean, you're making a, it's a, it's a judgment call. And judgment call is not good at any point, you know, on restarts, on starts, tech, you know, it's very clear cut. If you have a set of rules and it says you can or you can't do this, then there's no judgment. It's everyone has the same opportunity, same chance. When you bring judgment into it, then you bring emotion, you bring different factors. And that's not that's not the way it should be conducted. I'm not saying that's not the way it is conducted sometimes, but judgment should never be a factor. And now you're bringing judgment into the equation. This is the best Ask you segment we've ever had. This is good stuff. But Turbo, we got to keep moving on. Sped Weeks preview. Of course, last year you were Speed Weeks guru. You were the god. You, JD, and Shepard dominated Speed Weeks. How fired up and pumped up are you to go to Golden Isles, East Bay, and Volusia? Oh, I'm pumped, man. Um, East Bay is by far one of the raciest, probably one of the best tracks we go to. That's the only track I've been to that I've packed a track and I have no problem doing. I'll pack a track. (laughs) races so well, you know, like come feature time. Hudson won from 18th on the top, and there was no top the first night. You know what I mean? It's just a. It yeah, I think two years ago, Sheppy came from like 13th and won. Like you got, you've moved up yeah. in features. It's great racing every year there. It, it's great racing. Then you went to Volusia, and it was just like we all saw Sheppy put on like a great week performance. Like Clanton was the only one that's ever had a, a week quite like that. So it's a, you know, and Brunswick raced actually really, really well the last two or three years. So it's just a. I mean, I love going there. I think they're great tracks. The tire rules are good. You get there's no shortage of smoke. You've got the heat from both series every night because, you know, they don't contradict at all this year. Now, really, a guy can go to every race. You know, some people go to Screven 
at the end of the East Bay week. But I think at East Bay, you're going to see like the toughest field in, you know, the past three or four years because everyone can be there all week long and there's no contradiction of races, you know? What's the vibe compared to speed weeks compared to like the month of money? Like just, is there any similarities or is it completely different? Um, I mean, there is some similarities because you do get, you get all the heat. That's the one thing. Like when you're racing 50, 60 cars every night, there's no, you know, there's no doubt. Like if you win a race or if this guy came from 20th and run top three, you're like, damn, he's fast. Like there's no, <laughs> but then what you get at speed weeks is you get a lot of these guys are like, oh, you know, this is a new team. This is a new year. You know, speed weeks is different than any other place in the country. And they kind of, I'm not saying they downplay it, but they, they just, they're like, they, they get this mindset that like, oh, if you win at speed weeks, it doesn't mean you're going to win all year. And I mean, some of that is true, but if you can win at speed weeks, I think it's, I mean, it's impressive. There's a lot of guys that go down there that, you know, have won races and some of them can't win races there. It's just, it's not easy to do. And if you win a race at, you know, if you win Knoxville or Eldora or somewhere along the line there, there's nobody ever takes that away from you because they're like, oh, that's a staple point. That's, you know, something you could do. But if you mess around and win on an East Bay, they're like, well, you know, that's kind of the way East Bay is. Anybody could win there. It's the beginning of the year. People got new cars, you know, new crews. Uh, you know, we're not dialed in yet. We didn't test. So classic I, excuses uh, by you drivers. Classic excuses. Yeah, there's always an excuse. But <laughs> I, I think if you want to race at Speed Weeks, that's, you know, I mean, that's something that can never be taken away from you. And that's something to be very, very proud of because it's it's tough to win a national race, period, you know, even at your home track, you know, but to go down to Florida where the only person that's a homer there, I think is Kyle Bronson. So <laughs> everybody's, it's not where they race at all the time. The veterans have raced there a bit, but like, you know, a guy like me, I've been to Florida five times and one of them was for vacation. So like, I just don't race there, you know? And, uh, I think if you win there, it's, it's equally as monumental as winning, you know, anywhere else in the country. Obviously a crown jewel has a little bit more pool, but if you win at speed weeks, you're a bad dude. I just love going to Speed Weeks. I get to walk on the beach, and then I get to sing that one song. Beach life. <laughs> it's the only life we know. Yeah. <laughs> I love that song. But uh, are you ready for the Crew Diary? Last thing. You ready for the Crew Diary? I am stoked for it. Uh, last year, you three put on a show. We got a new crew guy, new uh, cast Clint. member. Yeah, new Clint. cast member. Clint. Clint's the man. Clint is a... Uh... Clint's a pretty quiet dude from the day and a half I've spent with him. He's well, he's so is Colby, so it's perfect. Colby, Colby was quiet, but the difference is Colby was eighteen, and I could haze him a little bit more. Clint, he's a he's like thirty one. Clint might whoop my ass or something if I haze him like I did Colby. So I don't know. Uh, no, I'm sure it'll be good again. You know, Big Randy, he uh, cheeseburger. He's a he's a character, and I think uh, I don't know. I think it'll be good. You know, we've uh, we've all matured i guess in one year and we've gelled a little bit more so it's not a it's not a new new team vibe so i guess you'll get to see a little bit more uh of our our uh our connections we've made in the last year how about that yeah because last year you're kind of in your new location you guys are trying to you know feel out each other this year i think you and randall are like a father-son combo it's going to be great but turbo georgia florida sped weeks is right around the corner Preview galore coming up next week on DirtOnDirt.com. How fired up are you? Cannot wait to see you, buddy. I'm pumped. I can't wait to see you, Rigsby, the rest of the crew. Um, I'll be pumped January 31st, first night at Brunswick. Catch it all live at Dirt on Dirt.